Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Kiwi, and with me is BP. Hey! Today we're playing Votes for Women. It was designed by Tori Brown and developed by Kevin Bertram. The artist was Bridget Eldicado, who also did War Chest, and Mark Rodriguez. It was published in 2022 by Fort Circle Games. And the description... Votes for Women is an asymmetrical, two-sided game that revolves around the battle to ratify or reject the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The suffragist side will push Congress to propose the 19th Amendment and campaign to have 36 states ratify the amendment. The opposition side will try to prevent Congress from proposing the amendment or, failing that, to have 13 states reject the amendment. And the mechanics are area majority influence, campaign battle card driven, cooperative game, dice rolling, and solo solitaire. And the box art BP? Oh, it's uh, one of the famous posters uh, that was used during the, oh, I'm going to forget the year off the top of my head. I want to say 1915 um, New York State uh, Press for uh, State suffrage for women. Um, it's got all of the states in white that had allowed women uh, the right to vote. And then it looks like all the darker states have like maybe... No, women maybe women, reaching out. Yeah, but they look like they're, yeah, reaching out almost from the grave. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, it is kind of, yeah. Um, and the woman walking across is Lady Liberty holding her, her torch. And it's got, uh, in the style of the early 20th century, votes for women font. Yes, is, script. Yes. Yeah, very scripty script. <laughs> very early 20th century scripty script. Yes. Based on all of this? Yeah, based on all of that, we you pulled off the shelf? Uh, absolutely. When you texted me that this was coming out, I was like, uh, when and when can we get it? Uh, yeah, I would pick it up too. We had a fun experience with Shores of Tripoli. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Um, not I, designed by Tori Brown. Not designed by Tori Brown, but published by Four Circle right. Games. So kind of already understood the type of games. And then the subject is super interesting. Mm-hmm. And the... Um, I saw some hype around it as well in terms of like gameplay wise. So I was super interested in it. And then I knew uh, you would be as well. So I mean, history, women. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, so got a board in front of me that has uh, the 48 lower states, I guess is how they're referred because actually in 1920, Hawaii and Alaska were not yet states. It wasn't even until the 1950s or right. late forties. No, 50s. 50s. Um, so, and they've got, it looks like, I'm going to guess how many representatives or how many votes they get for this. I don't know. It looks very like we're going to be area, is area control a thing? It was. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, because there's they're sectioned off. So, we want to make sure... Our side, so either for votes or against votes, uh, controls the most of the map. Uh, And from the sounds of it, it sounds like we're trying to uh, ratify the amendment. Okay. And we've got a whole bunch of cards. Um, Hand management, is that a thing? Nope. Oh. Actually, it might be. I don't think so. No. 
Would you like me to read them again? Sure. Area majority influence, campaign or battle card driven, cooperative, okay. dice rolling, and solo solitaire. Okay. Okay. Here's how we're doing it. Here's how we're doing it. Because um, there's all these states. And so if we can play these cards and there's going to be certain things that allow us to play these cards, then we gain for or against... I have no idea how to play. Good. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, so, in a succinct five minutes, the history of the suffrage movement so, in America. Yeah, so that's, it is specifically in the U.S., as interesting as it is uh, elsewhere. In the United States, and the reason it's 1848 to 1920, um, 1848 was when the Seneca Falls Convention produced the Declaration of Sentiments. It was modeled on the Declaration of Independence. Interestingly enough, because this what would eventually begin the suffrage right movement, what they were really asking for at the time was broader educational professional opportunities for women, right, of married women to control their wages and property. It would be after that that women's rights to vote within the United States would become uh part of their agenda as well. Many who attended the meeting 1848, if you're aware of U.S. history, is also prior to the Civil War, and many were abolitionists. So after the Civil War, when the 15th Amendment was vote, uh, passed, which actually stated uh, the word male in the Constitution, indicating that females would then be excluded, but allowed black men the right to vote, there was a split in uh, the women's suffrage movement uh, between those who would support the 15th Amendment, giving black males the right to vote, uh, to push a group that need that, according to them, needed it um, because of some of the abuses that had gone on prior, and then those who refused to support the Fifteenth Amendment unless it included women. Uh, so the latter group would be the National Women's Suffrage Association, led by Elizabeth Can Candy Staten and Susan B. Anthony, who I am assuming will be some of our suffragists that pop up. Um, and uh, Susan B. Anthony is pretty famous for actually registering to vote in the 1872 election in Rochester um, and being arrested for, quote, knowingly, wrongfully, and unlawfully voting for a representative to Congress of the United States. Um, she was fined $100 and refused to pay the $100 charge. Um, eventually, her sentence was dropped, but um, just on principle, she refused to ever pay her fine. Um, the other group, um, the American Women's Suffrage Association, uh, founded by Lucy Stone, Julie Ward Howe, and Thomas Wentworth Higginson. Again, I'm assuming they're going to be coming up on our board, supported the 15th Amendment and protested the confrontational tactics that the other group used. So these were very much um, against each other. Um, eventually in 1890, they would merge and start to support states uh, to petition the right to vote, seeing that the federal um, 
women's suffrage amendment was no longer going to be a priority since it seemed too out of reach. So they got uh, went on campaigns and you can see kind of where we're at with the cover board, that it was very successful, especially as some of the states in the West specifically were uh, some of the earlier ones. Um, they were also some of the early one earlier states to ban slavery. Uh, so I, I believe it was Washington was the first in 1910, Oregon, California, Nevada. After that, I could be wrong on some of the dates. Anyway, uh, by the early 20th century, there was a big push, especially uh, with the war movement going on as well in the 19 1910s. Uh, and so even during the war effort, many of the suffragists tried to protest and make uh, President Wilson feel shamed uh, by not allowing women the right to vote because many uh, European nations had already allowed women the right to vote based on their contributions to the war effort. And it was eventually their contributions to the war effort that swayed President Woodrow Wilson to support the amendment. Okay, so um, you weren't far off in how we're going to play just how we're going to get to the different states ratifying. Okay. So uh, one of us will take the role of the suffragists and the other player will take the role of the opposition. Our goal is to get the 19th Amendment either ratified or rejected based on the role we are playing. The game will last at most six rounds, which if the amendment hasn't been sent to the states for ratification by the end of the sixth round, then the opposition wins. Uh, if it is sent to the states, the suffragists win when the 36th state uh, votes for ratification, which would be two thirds of the states that are there. Um, and the opposition will win when the 13th state votes to reject the amendment, because at that point you can't get 36 states. The game lasts, uh, so the game is played over rounds, with each round consisting of four phases. Uh, some phases will do simultaneously, but usually sequentially, where the suffragists will always go first, and the phases are planning. So each player will draw six cards from their respective decks so that they start every round with seven cards. Um, there is a starting card that we'll start off with for the first round, and the decks are actually split into early, middle, and late. So early is obviously going to be you know that portion from 1848, to some time period based on this card that I'm looking at uh, for the opposition that says the Civil War early goes mm -hmm. till at least 1861, um, probably, probably a little bit after that as well. Yeah. Uh, and then middle and late. So our decks will go in that way. So you'll end up seeing historically uh, later and later events uh, that we can play. So then we go to the strategy phase, which we're actually going to skip for the first round. But the suffragist player announces how many buttons they are willing to commit to choose one of the three available strategy cards, and they can commit zero. So buttons are going to be like money uh, in the game, and there will be cards that you can play in order to gain buttons. You don't start with any buttons, which is why we skip the strategy phase for the first round. So the opposition player decides to either defer, in which case the suffragist spins the committed buttons and selects a strategy card. The opposition can choose to match, in which case both players must spend the amount and neither player gets a strategy card. Or the opposition can decide to supersede, in which case they have to pay one more than what the suffragist said that they were willing to pay, and then they get to select a strategy card. 
If a player took a strategy card, they're going to put it face up in front of them and then replace the card at the bottom of the board. So then we go to the operations phase. So starting with the suffragist player, we're going to take turns playing a card from our hand. You must play a card and you, and you may play a state card if you've gained one or a strategy card if you have one. Um, there are four options when you play a card from your hand. So you can play it as an event. So you just read off the event text on the card, ensure that you meet any listed prerequisites, and then perform the event. Uh, it then goes in your discard, unless it's a persistent event, which has its own space on the board. So there are uh, events that could last for just the turn, events that could last for the whole game, and events that will only take effect when we do final voting. Uh, we can take a campaigning action. So a player is going to roll a D4 for each campaigner. So uh, the opposition has two campaigner meeples and the uh, suffragists have uh, two purple and two yellow. Um, the colors do matter based on the event, but in terms of um, like how many cubes you need in a state in order to gain it, you count both yellow and purple together. So it's kind of two groups working towards the same goal, if you will. Hmm. Uh, so you're going to roll a d4 for each campaigner that you have on the board, and then you may spend a button to re-roll the die. If you've rolled more than one, uh, then you must re-roll all of them. So once you're happy with the results, you assign a rolled die to each campaigner, and then you can put that many cubes of their color into states within the region that the campaigner is in. So if your campaigner is in the West, you could place your uh, cubes in any of the states in the West. So your campaigners aren't necessarily within states, they're within regions. Uh, and then the numbers on the board uh, go towards the region, and then the states are labeled within each region. So that's what the number is. Uh, and it was specifically there for people who may not know U.S. state geography very well. Mm -hmm. So there's actually a list that says, oh, you're looking for New York? Well, New York is 6-1. Uh, you can put that many uh, So once you get the number, you put that many cubes on a state within that region. Uh, you can spend a button to move a campaigner to another region, and then those cubes can be played to the states in that region. But you can't play a couple cubes in one region, move, and then play a couple cubes in the other region. Uh, you have to play them all in a single region. Okay, you can play it as an organizing action. So the player takes a number of buttons equal to the number of campaigners they have on the board. And then you can use it as a lobbying action. So you're going to roll a D6. And for each campaigner on the board, for each six that is rolled, the suffragists will add one support to Congress uh, well, when the opposition does that action, they would remove a uh, support from Congress. The state and strategy cards can be played before or after playing a card from your hand. The text is read and resolved, similar to playing an event. The card is then removed from the game. A player can only use one state or one strategy card per round. Uh, and you earn a state card by being the first player that puts four cubes of their side into a matching state. So like we have Ohio. So whoever gets four cubes of their uh, side in Ohio first would gain the Ohio card. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if congressional support reaches six, each state is checked to see if it has four cubes for one side or the other. So if there are four purple or and or yellow the state votes yes, the cubes are replaced with one of these green check marks. If there are four orange, the state votes no and it's replaced with a big red X. Once all the states have been adjudicated in this way, we're going to continue playing normally, each playing our cards, uh, trying to get four uh, cubes of our side into a state. 
As soon as a state hits four, we replace it. And if there's any card that says, hey, you know, say California's already voted and the card says put cubes in California, once California's already voted, you don't put any more cubes into that state. Uh, the game ends immediately if the opposition gets their 13th state to vote no, or the uh, suffragists get their 36th state. If we reach turn six and the amendment hasn't been sent to the states, the opposition wins. If the amendment has been sent to vote and neither side has gained enough votes yet, we do a final uh, final voting. For each state that isn't ratified, both players are going to roll a D6 with the player having any cubes in the state added to that number to the roll. The player with the highest value has the state vote in their favor, the default tiebreaker being in favor of the opposition. Uh, there is an event card that will change that tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, buttons can still be spent to reroll results and continue adjudication in this matter until the suffragists get their 36th state or the opposition gets their 13th state. And those are all the rules. Let's vote. We just finished a game of Votes for Women, and to recap, uh, BP playing as the suffragists was able to get the 19th Amendment sent down to this, or passed by Congress, mm -hmm. sent down to the states for ratification. She was able to campaign and get 19 states uh, to accept uh, the 19th Amendment. Uh, Kiwi, though, playing as the opposition, was able to uh, get 13 states to vote no, as a result, the 19th Amendment was not ratified. Um, I, how does it feel to win? <laughs> so we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Because um, I have some I, I have some appreciation for some of the rules in the game because of a thing we'll talk about later. But okay. uh, my goal was to try and concentrate as much as I could in one region mm -hmm. and try to get those states uh, as much as I could. So I had a turn where I was able to block you from right. moving into two regions, and then I just tried to like load up on that region and just heavily campaign there. And then I finally got some cards to give me a second campaigner, yeah. and then I was just able to campaign a bunch in order to get what I needed. So, um, And then I didn't try and focus on the states that would give me stuff, uh, like getting the card. Like mm -hmm. Some of those cards were really good. Um, but I was just like, I'm not going to worry about those because I need to concentrate on certain states and try to get what I need in those states. So that was kind of my strategy. Yeah. What was your strategy? Um, this time around. Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, for some reason, I saw Congress going up. And so I just once I saw I had like four or something on Congress, I was like, let's just let's lobby. Let's get everything going. And then once I had everything going, it was campaigning. Um, before then, I did kind of concentrate on the states only because um, I did want to keep them from you just in case. And also, by the time I got some of them, it was just ratifying as well. So, yeah, there was definitely kind of incidental. Yeah. I and I was going to start trying to get Congress to go down, but then you had like two really good lobbying roles and you were able to like force it down to Congress. And so then it was just like, okay, I don't, I don't have to get as many States as BP does. Right. So I feel like there's probably an aspect of the, the suffragist wants to hold off from pushing as quickly as 
possible so that you have more states as soon as it gets sent down Mm. because I felt like you were kind of as soon as it got sent down you were behind the power curve because you didn't have as many states as I did Uh, and you had to rush to try and get 36 which is three times as many as I needed so I feel like there's a balance there's a balance on if you go too late Right. You might not have enough time, but if you go too early, I think it benefits the opposition. Mm-hmm. Good point. Uh, so what do you think of, about theme? I definitely feel like um, as far as I know, sometimes we relate mechanics into this, but since the mechanics, I feel like did play into that area influence. I felt like I was fighting for a cause and the cards helped to tie it in with the people, the significant events. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think that you could probably take similar mechanics and put it on a different game. So I do think it is the cards and the events right. uh, that really do tie the theme together. But I felt like the mechanics did work well with the theme. Right. Um, so, yeah, I felt it definitely felt like a battle you know, as we were seeing some states sway and go back and like you got that card that flipped New York because New York had originally Mm -hmm. voted no and then you were able to flip it and get them to vote yes. Um, So I I think, yeah, the events and that kind of stuff built to the theme, but I think mechanically you could probably have something else on it, but it worked well, I thought. Uh, Table presence? It's it's great. So we just got the... Like regular base game, right? This isn't anything fancy. So I think originally it did come out on Kickstarter, but nothing, they didn't do any like Kickstarter specifics. The only thing extra that we have is there are two promo cards, one for the opposition, one for the suffragist, but those are just promo cards. So nothing like with plussed up. So the wooden pieces we have here are what comes in the base game. Yeah. So, I mean, the board is pretty clean cut. But I think it would catch your eye because of all the colorful cubes when you're trying to get the majority influence. And then, of course, the check marks and red X's um, are eye-catching. Obviously, the box art is very cool. Many of the uh, images on the uh, cards themselves are uh, from, and I actually had read part of the book. She used the Library of Congress, uh, I think the archives, National Archives, and then several other university and uh, private collections of sources. So they're all like legit images of, you know, these people and newspapers and things of that sort. And the flavor text, you know, adds into it as well. The cards are clean cut. Um, It's a good one. Yeah, visually, um, so graphic design-wise, yeah, the map is very plain-ish, but it gets filled up with cubes and check marks. Mm-hmm. So if they went crazy, you wouldn't be able to see that. Right. I also really appreciate the, you know, if you didn't know geography very well, you could be like, okay, you know, California is, you know, the West region one. one, three. So those who don't know the acronyms for the states so that you could play this more internationally um one of the videos i watched on how to play the um he's from canada and so he didn't know anything about the suffrage movement and you know his u.s geography who knows Mm -hmm. what it was like but he he pointed that out too and then the fact that you know in the northeast we have a lot of tiny states Mm -hmm. so the fact that they did breakout 
spots for those, like really put in some, you know, kind of forward, forward thinking. And then, yeah, I think you're right. I think visually, when you look at this, you see all the check marks and the red X's, even if I didn't see the box, I would stop to look to mm-hmm. see what this was. So yeah, it's super, uh, it looks good. Uh, mechanics. So I like the kind of push pull area influence mm-hmm. here. I think it really adds to like politically, like, you know, you're swinging back and forth. Um, so, you know, we'll jump ahead a little bit and say that I read the rule where you removed, so only one person's cubes can be in a state. And so we played originally, we got through what, two turns, I think. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, I, I ran out of cubes. And I was like, well, what do you do when you run out of cubes? Well, you really probably shouldn't run out of cubes because as people remove them, they get yeah. added. So instead of adding, you remove the other person's cubes until there are no cubes, and then you add. Um, so I think that kind of puts to the, the push-pull aspect of it. Um, I like the fact that you use the cards for all kinds of different things, mm-hmm. um, you know, which you know, when I played that card that was like, hey, you got to pay to do events every time, you were still able. There was plenty for you to right. do um, still. So... Uh, yeah, I, I liked those those aspects. What do you think about mechanics? So interesting that you said it because she actually, um, her research when she started her research um, during the 100th anniversary of the ratification and um, then had the help of others to turn it into a game. And it was based on... A political campaign. So it's interesting that you brought that up. It was the 1960 campaign. Oh. Um, that was one of the first campaigns went on electoral votes versus both popular and electoral. Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, I think I already brought in, like, with mechanics, I felt like it played into the theme. So, I mean... I don't know that I have much more to add to that. Yeah. Uh, rules? Well. Yeah. So we already talked about the one rule. So we did, we hit that point and then we realized, you know, a lot of times when we mess up a rule, we'll either just be like, okay, we'll play like that from now on or we'll realize like, okay, okay I can fix a couple things. And we were so far in that there's no way that we could possibly fix it. So we went back and started over, which, you know, it was super fast to get mm-hmm. it reset up. And the game only, it took us less than an hour to play once we got that. The reset. The reset took us less than an hour. So I think though there is, it's not so easy peasy like Ticket to Ride or something like that, sure. right? Yep. Um, I think with the reset, it did help us yeah. start to think again about, okay, so what are we doing? Because it gave us a couple extra turns, yep. right? A couple extra rounds to to learn what you could do because uh i mean aside from just playing the cards as events uh right learning the different like lobby or campaign and how those might benefit so maybe it helped more with strategy but i think also the learning curve yeah and that's what like so when when we were resetting i was like you know it kind of sucks that we have to reset because we'd already started playing but Mm -hmm. at the same time it was like Okay, I think we'll both do better now because right. we got to see a lot of aspects, even if one of those aspects we weren't playing. And honestly, it made it a different game. Yeah. It, a better game. Yes. <laughs> playing it the way it was playing, playing it the way it was supposed to <laughs> made it a better game. Yeah. Um, so the thing I was going to bring up is 
you know, because you made the comment of <laughs> how do you feel that, you, that they didn't ratify the 19th Amendment. Um, so I heard this once about a Doctor Who game, uh-huh. where the complaint about a Doctor Who game is you're probably playing it with Doctor Who fans, and who are they going to want to be? Oh, right. They all want to be Doctor Who. So the there was a game that was designed that... So what they did was, is everybody got to be Doctor Who because it was all just different versions of Doctor Who. Uh-huh. And this is one of those games where it's like, who wants to be the opposition? Yeah. Um, so what I really, really appreciate is that there is a campaign mode where, or a cooperative mode mm-hmm. where both sides play the suffragists. Oh, against that oppo Against the oppo bot. So they have a little solo op- you know, opposition deck. And so you can play this game... Uh, cooperative, we cooperatively, which I appreciate because if you get into a point where someone's like, I don't want to be this bad guy, right? Like, this is not a bad guy I want to be. Um, you can then just be like, okay, we're still going to play the game, we're just going to play it together. So, you can, you know, I'd be interested to go back and see, like, you know, how much does the game change mm-hmm. when you play it as a cooperative game? By so, I, I did like the, the, the back and forth and you know, that two player kind of dueling part. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, it, you, you don't necessarily feel good right. when you win as this bad guy. Yeah. Or bad guys, if you if you want to, since it's not just one <laughs> bad dude. There were plenty in this deck of not pleasant. And some were incidental, incidental, like they weren't necessarily anti, but they weren't necessarily pro. Sure, yeah. Uh, a player interaction? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, as a two-player, definitely. Again, you keep using the terminology push and pull. So uh, there's a lot of interaction. There's a lot of take that. There's, you know, area control. So, yeah. Yeah, sometimes when a game, like, has a solo solitaire Mm -hmm. mode, um, I sometimes get concerned because we've played plenty of those games where... There's no interaction, right. and that's why you're able to play it solo. I feel like this is one of those games that, yeah, the solo mode probably doesn't feel any different right. than cooperative or anything like that. I feel like you're going to get the same feeling just mechanically and how the game works and thematically, I, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so would you play it again? Silly question. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And this time I want to win. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I would absolutely play it again. I think I will also continue, like anytime Fort Circle puts out a game, mm-hmm. I think I will look into it and probably just pick it up without looking into it a whole lot because so far I feel like the two that we've played, they've really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. A lot of care and research mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the first one being the Shores of Tripoli, like I was already in. Right. And they're, you know, they're designing one called the, the uh, Halls of Montezuma. So like naturally I'm already in. Right. Um, but, you know, the history piece and just the topic and the game design and the, yeah, how the it cards, plays. Yeah, the mechanics. Yeah, there was, both these games are just so good. Yeah. I think also uh, for me as a non kind of initially thinking I'm not a war gamer, like, these as war games, um, in quotes, because they fall into that genre. Uh, but I feel like they're not necessarily like super battly. Like I, when I think of war games, I think of 
you know, like having little miniatures out and yeah. trying to reconstruct World War II battles or something, which I and or Napoleon Wars, which I know like there are so many people who are really into that, and that is just not my style. But like both of these two kind of play more into the historical narrative aspect that I'm more interested in, like, can you rewrite history? Like I was trying to have the pirates win in the shores of AAA, right? And this one, I didn't want to rewrite history, but we did. But um, it's also just kind of a fun game that you do to a certain extent kind of learn about and, um, but still has some replayability, I feel like, because there's enough gain to it that it's not just history, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yep. I agree. And uh, so, uh, can I say, I'm real excited to get to meet the game designer and hear her speak because if you're local to the DC area, the labyrinth has a, which, war game when, this game, when this episode gets published, will be in the past. Right. So if you were. Right. But, I mean, keep in mind, uh, always check out some of your local game stores and see what uh, they may feature. Uh, so. Uh, so that was Votes for Women. Yes. If you have any recommendations, sense of games that you want to hear our impressions on, just send them our way. You can do so via email at firstturntabletop at gmail or Twitter. Instagram is firstturncast. And our podcasting camel uh, is basically um, holding <laughs> holding a torch in a saddle on its back and imitating the Lady Liberty on the cover here and marching across uh, the map of the United States with banners that say votes for women. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on all your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. stop you because you went well over five minutes but it seemed wrong to do during a speech like that (laughs) so how far over did i get i don't know i wasn't actually timing it but i assumed you went over yeah so that was the card i was talking Mm -hmm. about yeah yeah. uh for our listening audience i played make it into the podcast Uh, sure yeah miss feb wins the last vote Pennsylvania votes no. Damn it!